my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Nama here Te and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingi where we are previewing week 6 of Super Rugby Aotearoa and helping me cover all of this upcoming weekend's play as an ex-teammate in Thomas Kiwara. So the Hurricanes take on the Blues on Saturday night and what will be Bowden Barrett's first return to the capital after his departure before the Highlanders travel to Waikato to take on the Chiefs who are fresh off a bye. Now, there were a few different talking points, the main ones being around the aforementioned Barrett and his lack of influential play from the fullback position. But there's also a little bit of discourse around the Hurricanes game drivers before then we finally wrap up the episode around the lack of grunt in the Chiefs' injury room. So, I mean, you guys know me. I don't like giving too much away, so I'll let you just listen in to what me and TK broke down from what we've seen in previous weeks and what we expect over the next two games. Enjoy. But thank you, first and foremost, for accepting my invitation to jump on Code with Kingy to help cover the, the sixth round of Super Rugby Aotearoa. Um, I'm glad to hear that you're well, bro. Um, I guess before we jump into the two games, though, what has sort of been your take on this new competition? Have, have you liked what you've seen? Uh, yeah, no, it's, um, it's pretty good. I, you know, every time you got New Zealand teams going up against each other, you're going to see a good contest. Um, and the games have been relatively close and competitive. So, no, nah, it's, looking, it's looking good. I'm um, not sure what it looks like in the future, though. What about Either your that, takes on maybe the, the, the interpretation? Is that the breakdown? Are you, are you liking that area? Are you, are you liking the way the refs are going with it? Oh, it, to be honest, no. Nah, I, I didn't like it initially. It looks like the... I, I think they've had a directive about how they, how they um, rule the breakdown. The whole rolling east to west, I think it's a bit, I don't know, a bit of a grey area, you know, it's all sort, you can get into all sorts of positions in yeah. the ruck, but, yeah, it's... Um, I don't know, I, obviously, like, in the first weekend, I was a bit sort of sceptical because yeah. of the amount of penalties that were being blown, but having done a, a bit of deeper reading into it, I like the idea of taking that grey area away from the breakdown. Like, you mentioned the the north to south or the east to west rolling away, but I think when everything in terms of at the breakdown, like you said, can be done through the ref size in terms of guys coming in through the side, guys not rolling away or guys being pinned in the tackle, by, in a way, even though like you might get a lot more whistle, um, I think that the onus is more so on the players now or should yeah, be on the did. players because they know now that if they are potentially putting themselves in a compromised position, that they run the chance of getting penalised, and that yep, like we might see a lot more whistle like we did in those earlier rounds, but at least that way there's there is none no more of that grey area. The referees are literally blowing up everything because they're referring to the letter of the law. And I, I know they've sort of taken a backward step on that now, and there have been a handful of situations where, say for example, in that Chiefs Crusaders game when Jack Goodhue got got pinned at the bottom of a ruck and, and the referee sort of let it slide because he thought that he was pinned when. Maybe in previous weeks he, he would have got pinged because, again, he put himself in a compromised position and then obviously it led to the, the quick throw try to Will Jordan. But um, maybe besides last Saturday uh, where the Crusaders played the Blues where I thought that Paul Williams, the referee, maybe had a little bit too much whistle and didn't let the game 
flow as nicely as we would have liked to have seen. I thought the referees have done a pretty good job learning from their previous weeks and just allowed the game to just be played by the players and not have as big an influence on it. Yeah, I suppose my only worry, um, and this is probably me with my RDO hat on, um, but it's the, it's you know, how do you, how did that translate back down? You know, is it just going to be, you know, because obviously we have, to, we have to take those rules back down and so is it just going to be, you know, refs pinging everyone, you know, whistle-filled games all the way through down mm. to gra- grassroots, or is that just going to be sort of different up the top? I don't know. Well, even like, if, if you think even going upwards, bro, it'll be interesting to see which way the international referees yeah, go, yeah. because like, if, our, if our players become accustomed to playing to this certain set of rules or these certain sets of interpretations, and then they go to the test level and you're playing with the rules pre-Super Rugby Aotearoa, it'll be interesting to see how the players adapt to that and what the the coaching staff or the All Blacks will have to do to get their players refreshed. Yeah, because that's really sort of been a talking point that has sort of gone under the radar because we're unsure of whether or not we're going to get test football this year, but I think that that could be a a big area of concern if the rules differ. And like You look at someone like a Lachlan Beauchere, for example, who was setting the world on fire pre-COVID, Pre-COVID yeah. and now he's sort of been taken out of the game because he just can't get his hands on the ball because mm. he's going to get pinged for it more. And so like whether or not that'll factor into his all-black consideration, oh, that'll be interesting to see. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've banged the drum on how um, how many loose forwards we've got at our disposal at the moment and, and which way the, the all-blacks coaching group will go to sort of work around Artie and, and Sam Kane. But that's a that's another tale, bro. But we'll jump into this first game, yeah. which is Saturday. Uh, the Hurricanes taking on the Blues at home, which will be Bowdoin Barrett's return to the capital to play his yeah, old side. Um, now, a lot was made of his performance on the weekend, or lack of, against the Crusaders. So, I guess for my first talking point, bro, what what did you make of his performance? And do you like him as a 15, or do you think that this experiment has come to its end? Yeah, I mean... Maybe a little bit, bit of rust. I mean, he's only had a had a couple of games back, but I'm I'm a firm believer that he should be playing ten. I still reckon he's the best ten in the country. I know he's unconventional, but he he gets the job done, and he's been the the world player of the year how many times? A couple so, times. Yeah, back yeah, to back. Mm-hmm. Back to back. So I mean, without going too much into Richie, what Richie Moanga is doing, I just I still think he's he's still capable capable of being the All Blacks starting 10. And I think, you know, we've got enough depth at fullback to to cover him there. I'm not saying he's a bad fullback, but I just think he's the best 10. So why not have your best 10, which is a pivotal position, you know, have your best player? Well, I guess that begs the question, though, eh? because I talked about a player poll that was uh, made up by Sam Casey, an NZME reporter, on the, on the podcast last week with, with Adam Julian, and... 40% of the players that took part in the survey voted Bowden as the best first five in the country. But he hasn't oh, been playing first five this year. Yeah. And we all saw what Richie Mwanga did on the weekend. He was spectacular in that last quarter. Awesome. Mm, nice and like, if you're the All Blacks coaching group right now, having not seen Bowden Barrett at 10 for the better part of 18 months, because he didn't play any test football at 10 last year, because that's when they started the experiment and the build-up to the World Cup, how does Bowden Barrett fit in? Do you keep him on the park because he is Bowden Barrett and just keep him at fullback and keep this experiment going? Or do we sort of throw it out the window? Because, and, and Adam was, was right when, when he mentioned it, I'm not as 
sort of far down the track as he is with his his verdict on uh, the the dual playmaker role. But last year's semi final and mm. last weekend's games were the biggest games that Bowden Barrett has taken part in the last two years. Yeah, and in both it. games, he failed to bear any sort of influence and was more of a passenger. Now, yeah. obviously, the the World Cup semi final last year was, in my opinion, more of a game that was determined by the forwards. I thought that yeah. the the All Blacks four pack got dominated up front and there's not a lot you can do, especially from fullback when your team's going backwards, but I would have liked to have seen Bowden just step into that first receiver role and just mm. command a, yeah. a bit more of his boys around him and he just didn't do it and yeah. as soon as the Crusaders got their tails up there are, well, anytime they get their tails up they're a very tough team to stop yeah. and yeah, they, yeah. Just, they just couldn't stop the bleeding yeah, I think with Bowden Barrett, you talked about the semi-final last year between uh, England and the All Blacks. I think my my thinking is, you know, in a, in a everyone's doing that rush defence at the moment, you know, mm-hmm. and you know that obviously stung stung the All Blacks, and they weren't winning the contact and all that sort of jazz. But you put someone like Bowden Barrett at ten, first receiver, who's a runner of the ball, you know, you might you might get him, I don't know, nine, eight or nine times out of ten, but that time you miss him. He's probably going to score or set up a try. I think he's he's that influential. You know, he's that quick on his feet. He's a, he's a guy that needs the ball in his hand as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think in terms of where he sits with the All Blacks, he probably doesn't. You know, maybe not warranted to put him starting first five if the All Blacks were to play tomorrow. But he he probably still needs to be on the park. But that's somewhere. the big question, though, right? Because of yeah. how well Richie Mwang is playing, and the time he's that he's had in the saddle, both at the Test level. And with the Crusaders, oh, where does yeah. Bowden Barrett fit in? Like, I, I'm I'm of the opinion that you have your best players on the park, and at the yeah. moment, Bowden Barrett isn't a better first five than Richie Wonga. He might be on paper, yeah, but the proof has been just the play of late. And again, like he's not playing ten, but Wonga is just growing and growing and growing as a footballer, mm. and he's won three Super Rugby titles, and he's got a Rugby World Cup campaign under his belt. So you can only see that trending upwards. So, yeah, and then like you know he he's he's going away to Japan last year, like Adam mentioned, and that just gives Moanga and everybody else more time to sort of catch up to him. So, it's a it's a bit of, bit of a tricky situation for Barrett to be in, because um, I don't think his best position is fullback. Uh, I, yeah, I suppose I suppose you you got to go with Moanga based on what he, what he's been doing and his accomplishments and things at the moment, but. Yeah, I think it's an unfortunate think, one though, eh? Because Barrett, um, by his own claims, wants to be a first five, but it seems like he was pushed that way uh, because of the way Steve Hansen and, and Ian Foster wanted to play. And then now, I have no idea. I, I'm, I'm under the impression that Ian Foster has told the Blues to keep playing Bowden at fullback. Um, oh, okay. But but that that no, I I'm not privy to anything. <laughs> but that, that that's just like my um where my head's at because when you play a, when you pay a guy that much money and he's your franchise player, why wouldn't you play him in the position that he wants to play in? Mm, and I think that the only thing that Ortiz Black may have up his sleeve, and don't get me wrong, he he's been playing some more good footballs of late. But he's been he, well. he he is a better goal kicker, and that is the only risky run with having. Bowden Barrett at first five and whoever else at fullback is that yeah. um, especially like in these close games like we've seen goal kicking bears a big influence and Bowden has come on as a goal kicker obviously we haven't seen him kick all that much because Mwanga took over the goal kicking for the All Blacks 
But mm. if we look back into some of the, the tight contests that Bowden Barrett's been a part of, he hasn't kicked all that well. So no, his kicking's not too great. But then I suppose if you got him at ten, you, I have, I mean, off the top of my head, you've probably got someone like Mackenzie or Barrett, uh, his brother, at the back. So. I'm, but I'm thinking even more so for the Blues, bro. So for the Blues, yeah. Who yeah. do the Blues get to goal kick? Do they get? Because Harry Plummer had a nudge and. He's, an, he's another fly half as well. You got yeah. three fly halves in your in your back line. Yeah. I mean, you could put. I, I would. Um, my personal preference would probably put Oteri to to the back. I mean, they they do have that dual sort of um, that playmaker role and where that sort of uh, that fullback sort of pops up on the blind side or the short side. Yeah. So they're not too far different. I just feel like Barrett needs the ball in his hand more. I I mean, I reckon. Uh, if Barrett was to go to ten against the Hurricanes, he would run, he would run rampant. Well, it'll know, be interesting to see which yeah. which way Leon McDonald goes this weekend, yeah. considering all the the flack that they've got. But on the Hurricanes, though, they notched their their second one of the season after they toppled the Highlanders on Sunday afternoon. And and the route for me has just been their attitude the past two weeks. Really, they've just shown a bit more enthusiasm without the ball. But then. I guess that sort of carried over to, to, to the, the attacking side for the Canes, but there were a handful of opportunities that went begging because of some lackadaisical play. The one that sort of stands out is Devin Flanders throwing that, that one-handed offload that Van Vake did really well to pick up, but then it ended up sort of he went to flick it and, and hit Geordie Barrett in the face. And just those sorts of mistakes are the ones that you can't make against the better teams. I thought that the Highlanders let the Hurricanes off the, the hook a lot of the time. So... This weekend's going to be a big test for, for both teams. The, the Blues coming off their first loss and the Canes trying to show that whether they're the real deal or not because they've, they've only beaten the arguably the, the two weaker sides in the competition. So do you think that the, the Canes have that killer instinct in them? or? Yeah, uh, it, it's tough. Cause, you know, I'm a biased Canes supporter, but, um, but, but you're right. The effort from them and the attitude, is, it was awesome. And it was... It was Massive aggression in, in the way they played on on the weekend, which I thought was awesome. You probably put that down to some of their um, their leaders up front, but uh, I suppose that killer instinct. I mean, you got I, I, I kind of look towards your 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 playmakers, the ones that are going to take a game by the scruff of the neck and close it out, and, and you really need your nine and your ten to do that. TJ obviously awesome and um, brilliant at what he does, but I think there's there's still a hole at ten. You know, like there's a big difference between the tens. At the other clubs, you got the the Crudens, you got the Moangas, Ortiti and, and Bodie, and then um and then we just sort of got our teams. They're still trying to find their feet. And I think that killer instinct sort of comes down to your to your leaders, and I I feel like they got it in the forwards with Artie and and Dupes has definitely got it. I think and you know a Suffo or Colsey and Tyrell Lomax stood up on the weekend as well, especially with his ball carrying. Um, oh mate, I um he he's my pick for a, a bit of a dark horse for the All Blacks, Tyrell Lomax. I reckon he's a great scrummager. Yeah, I think he's, he's probably well and truly in there now because we, we've seen the work that he's done to shore up that Hurricane scrum, but as of late, and I mean, the team as a whole, he's just looked mm. a little bit more dynamic. I mean, he, he, he yeah. is a big bugger, so it's big always going to be hard yeah. to, to carry all that weight around and, and be as mobile as some of his contemporaries, but no, nah, I thought he was really stood up there. But, but on the note of the, the Hurricanes game drivers, though, it was interesting, I was having a chat to one of the boys this morning over Instagram, funnily enough, and we were talking about how Geordie Barrett has made uh, a big difference in that Hurricanes yes, backline, yes. just posing as more of a threat both with the boot and with ball in hand, because 
he he set up Van Vake's try on the weekend, yeah. coming off sort of a, a backdoor play, but then he sort of hit a hole. Uh, but one of the other things that he mentioned, and rightly so, is that I think one of the things that Hurricanes fans have taken for granted, and even like one of the things that we probably didn't appreciate so much about Bowden Barrett was mm. the fact that you talk about all the good work that TJ Piranara does with ball in hand, and he's quite abrasive for a halfback because he, he is he's another big yeah. bugger, bro. Like he's not a small halfback, but mate, you've seen him tackle. Eh? He's, he hits oh, he's well into bricks. it. Yeah, no, he's well into yeah. it, and like you, know, you, you give him half a chance around the ruck area, and he takes him like we saw on the weekend with his try. But at the same time, a halfback's core role is to distribute, Service. and mm. unfortunately. His service just isn't anywhere near the likes of a Bryn Hall and Aaron Smith, Aaron Smith even yeah. Sam Nock that we've seen, Brad Weber, and I think that's them out. I think. Well, I think this is one thing you have yeah. to take into consideration with these tens and the fact that when you've got to go like Bowden Barrett, who is a mercurial and he is that brilliant, that I think that the fact that T.J. Piranara's pass wasn't that great, Barrett had the skill set to make up for it, and give him just that extra bit of time on the ball. But I think what we're seeing now with Jackson and Fletcher is that they aren't Bowden Barrett. And we all know that, but then <laughs> extended on that because of how much the Canes revolve their attack around that first receiver, because the service isn't as snappy, because I'm of the opinion, Jamie Booth clears the ball better than TJ Perinara does. Uh, like think... the, the Hurricanes just look a lot more sharper. When he's Talk on the, the field, tempo, yeah, when he comes on, like, albeit mm. that the, the last 20 minutes of a game, players yeah. are usually tired, but yeah, the, uh, as much as I think that both Jackson and Fletcher are still a little bit hesitant, and uh, well, yes, it's tough because we're comparing them to Bowden Barrett, and you know whoever yeah. comes in and has, tries to fill that role is, is never going to live up to it, but at the same time, I think it's fair that for all the kudos that we give to TJ for the stuff he does off the ball and with in hand, we have to remember at the same time that a halfback's there to distribute and he's probably letting his his first receivers down in some way. So, yeah, but, that, but again, that like, don't get me wrong, TJ Piranara makes up for the game yeah. um, with, all, with all, all the awesome stuff that he has. He's a very X-factory player. He knows how to find the try line. I mean, his, his try on the weekend, Adam mentioned, equaled Christian Cullen's record. And he's only four short of Israel Folau's record for for Super Rugby, and like he's a halfback, and typically halfbacks aren't scoring that many tries. But at the same time, like I think if you're gonna heap a whole lot of stuff onto onto Fletcher Smith and Jackson Garden Bishop, you you maybe have to take a step back and look at where the ball's coming from before it hits their hands. So mm. yeah, that's, a, even yeah, look, that's just food for thought. To, to yeah, to flip flip that over a bit and look at um, how, how do you find TJ at ten? Uh, obviously, when Boofy comes on, with about twenty to go. It's it's been a bit of a mixed bag. Like he's it's definitely a lot more confident, and you can yeah. see that. Uh, I think that the Canes play a lot flatter. And you, like again, you take the step back. Jamie Booth has got a nicer pass, so he's giving TJ probably a bit more time on the ball than what yeah, TJ that, is giving what to those other guys. What, what do you reckon about that? Yeah. Ah, uh, but I just. Well, for one, if you put TJ there permanently, it does it pretty much shoots the confidence of both those guys and whoever else is in that sort of ten stable. Yeah. And at the same time, I think that TJ has a tendency to to, to maybe look for a run because he cuts back inside quite a lot. And it's like, yep, that's quite nice to have, you know, in terms of your playmaker looking to actually take the line on. But 
what you what you're wanting out of those guys because none of them have the brilliance of Bowden Barrett to deliver that all around performance or you know offer um, both yeah. or just you know offer being a distributor a kicker and uh, and a runner mm. that yeah I'm 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 not too sure it's I I think that they're better off investing in in those two guys like we've mentioned yeah. and I mean like. Piranara is never going to get usurped as the, as the Hurricanes halfback unless you know something dreadful happens to him. But I, I, I think that the Hurricanes need to restructure what they do when they have the ball. I think that yeah. uh, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened to them. John Pluntree walked out on them at the start of the year because he got brought up into the All Blacks, oh, yeah. and yeah. Carlos Spencer's walked out on them mid-season. So they've had all these sorts of things pop up, and I think that if you give uh, Jason Holland uh, a year to sort of build or, or a preseason to craft his team and go about organising different things and plan how they want to, to structure both their defence and attack. I think we, we might see a different hurricane, but unfortunately with the likes of COVID and the the hiring of Plumtree with Foster and I guess the departure of Spencer, there's just been all these sort of unsettling moves that have maybe shaken up the camp and... Mm. I've yeah. heard good things about Holland, and um, he's from. He was with Munster, wasn't he? Yep, I think yeah. So he left. I think he left New Zealand because he, he's. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's from the Manawatu originally, and then yeah, he he was over yeah. in the UK for a while. Yeah, played and then um, ended up uh, assistant coaching. I think. Yeah, I mean, I suppose going back to um, that ten issue, like I suppose they need to restructure their whole bench and and carry a ten and a nine, and then but then I know. You know, you got eight on the bench now. They they have to carry two props and a hooker, or and then but they normally go six and two or or five and three split with the with the backs and the forwards. Maybe they need to carry three backs. I mean, most of those outsides and centres can play all over, can't they? Yeah. Mm. Uh, some some interesting pointers here. And then my last point before we wrap up this game was the Blues are a very kick heavy team. And they were well. They lost the kicking duel with the Crusaders on the weekend, but I don't see the the Northerners shying away from putting boot to ball when they come down to Wellington on Saturday. And I mean, we've just talked about the game drivers, and one of the areas that has looked a little bit more assured for the Canes with the return of Geordie Barrett has been their clearances and their tactical kicking. But I still think there's some work to be done. Yeah. And obviously, territory plays a big part in any football game. But to what extent do you think that the the kicking and and the winning of territory will play on this game. Oh, I don't think it's going to be massive, but you, I mean you got your they got some pretty good punters of the ball with um, Jordy. Obviously, he can hit the ball pretty far, but I I I can't see the Hurricanes kicking too much unless they you know they'll go three or four phases. If they're not going anywhere, they'll they'll put up a contestable kind of kick. Yeah, and I probably see the Blues doing a similar thing, but yeah. I, I don't know, because the Hurricanes, like you mentioned, they didn't kick away a little ball on Sunday, and they dominated position, and that was probably part of the reason why the Highlanders couldn't work themselves into the game. Mm. The two previous games against the Blues and the Crusaders, well, like we saw on the on the weekend, the Crusaders put up a lot of box kicks, and although they weren't all that great, their, their kick chase was really good, mm. and guys like George Bridge were able to recover the ball, and like I mentioned, the Blues are a very kick-heavy team, but the fact that the Hurricanes didn't kick as much ball away and give the the Highlanders ample opportunity to work themselves into the game. And you got to give credit to the Hurricanes' defence for, for knocking those the Highlanders' boys backwards. But, yeah, I, 
I just think that, like we mentioned with the game drivers, Jordy Barrett can't do all of the kicking, and TJ yeah. Perinara's box kicking is pretty average, if I'm if I'm being really honest. Yeah, well, I, I forgot that he was left-footed, and I thought he was switching feet when I was watching him, because <laughs> I thought it was a bit average, but it's... But I mean, like you got, you got, they got so many runners now, you know, with Ardy back, and I, I'm not sure if the stuff was going to be on there, but he was, I thought he was pretty awesome, you know, physically, and you got, you know, they'll look to sim, uh, set their targets on the Marpy mm. as they have done, even before COVID. But um, I think um, the, the, the risky not run though, forward, I, though, sorry, I was going to say the risky run though with playing the ball out of your own half or keeping the ball in hand, like we saw in that opening round, was the fact that the Hurricanes would get pinged inside their own half and yep obviously that was the the first round where the referees were blowing up everything and mm. the difference in that game because both teams scored three tries each but Orty Black kicked all of his goals yeah. and we know that the wind is a, a big factor when you come to Wellington and, and Bowden Barrett knows that ground probably better than anyone <laughs> outside of TJ Perinara and I just think that if the Blues are smart, because I don't, it'll be interesting to see whether the Canes can can match the battle up front with the Blues, because the Blues forwards did really well last weekend, and I thought yeah. it was the, the backs that let them down. So I think that the Blues bad. have That'd the edge in the forwards. Yeah. Eh? I think that the Blues have the edge in the forwards, and that if Bowden can put them in the right areas of the field and, and force the Hurricanes to kick, if they're deep inside their own 22, because I don't think that's a, that's a particular strength of the Hurricanes. And if they can target the line out. Now, Asafo's throwing was pretty accurate on the weekend. There were a few wobbly ones, but they still went to hand. But if, if I'm the Blues, I, I, I want to be just constantly making the Hurricanes forwards turn around and having their backs do the work and trying to get them in the right areas of the field because it's that hasn't been a strength for the Hurricanes. But at the same time, if, if the Hurricanes can show the same attitude on defence and keep the ball in hand and break the Blues defensive line because that's, that's another area of concern for me at the moment with the Hurricanes they don't really have a lot of game breakers and the fact that Fletcher Smith and Jackson Garden Bashup aren't running first fives it's pretty predictable what they're going to do from in a back sense it's like yep Nani Lamapi will more often than not always get the advantage line but when, you, when you're going off sort of second or third phase they don't really have that game breaker in them mm, and break, besides, break a couple, open. besides a couple of times when Geordie Barrett popped up and hit a hole against the Highlanders those are the only real opportunities that the Hurricanes took to break into the backfield. And I think that because they're going to be playing a, a team who, at the moment, are hungry on defence in the Blues and are up for it and, for are, big, right, yeah. and are bigger in, in the forward pack, I, I'm just interested to see which way the, the Hurricanes will look to penetrate because I, off the top of my head, um, from what I've seen from them so far, I can't see a lot of it happening. But... Who knows? I, I've I shot the Canes down back to back weekends. I didn't think they'd win in Hamilton. They did, and I didn't think they'd beat the Highlanders off the back of the Highlanders' performance against the Crusaders last week, and they did. So, hey, but yeah, with all that being um, said, though, bro, or you finish and then give me your. Yeah, uh, give me I was your just going back to the line out. I think I think the Blues would be pretty pretty happy to go the line out, mm. you know, defense or or attack. So, but, but you're right. There are some. They are they are a bigger pack. Um, so it will be interesting. But I think with the added. You know, ever ever since Bodie's come to the to the Blues, it's been their whole sort of mantra sort of changed. You know, they 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 seem up for it. They seem like a whole new whole new team. And, and although he may not be putting putting you know the big performances, and I think his his effects been been massive for them. And they have, well, they seem to have a more well rounded team now. 
I think when you when you play with a, a player of that caliber, everyone just lifts, mm. and that's the the biggest takeaway that I've had with the Blues. My dad mentioned that they they may have gone back to a, a more Auckland centric culture and are playing more sort of Auckland style football. But I think at the same time, they just look a lot more relaxed. They don't look as rushed, and they're happy doing all the nitty gritty stuff that you, you typically see from from a Crusaders type of team so yeah I, I mean yeah, I, I'm not one to like I'm not saying that Bowden Barrett has played horribly but mm. I think that in the big games you want your big players to step up or at least throw themselves into it and that's probably been the the, the biggest critique of his performances both from the World Cup semi-final last year and last weekend's play was the fact that he just didn't get himself involved so yeah so in, I, your, I, like, in your opinion who, who plays 10 on Saturday? For the Blues, I, I think you stick with all City Black. Oh, because oh, <laughs> <laughs> like if, if if you're just gonna throw all City Black out after one bad game, yeah, I wouldn't say he was bad. He, he, well, no, he well, no, well, no, yeah, yeah, not not one bad game, but after one loss, because it's you know because they'd won seven in a row. Mm. I think, yeah, I, I'm yeah, I'm not one to just jump on something, you know, after I guess one bad performance. But at the same time, you know, who who knows whether or not there's there were already rumblings on whether or not Bowden wanted to step into ten, mm. and the and the fact that Orteri had been playing so well pre-COVID, you sort of had to give him that opportunity to at least uh, yeah, earn earn that jersey. And then in that first round, he did. He kicked all of his goal against against the Canes and and distributed nicely and just did his role. But if I'm Leon McDonald and I want to keep that playing group together, I'd start. Or Tiddy at 10 again. And then maybe, if, if the result's looking in your favour, then push Bodie into 10 and, and sub off Or Tiddy like he did last weekend to give yeah. Bodie yeah. a bit more game. Or or even just like let Bodie come into first receiver a bit more and have Or Tiddy Black float. You know, yeah, that, that, ha- that might be the trade off. I haven't noticed, but um, I know a lot of team. Uh, I haven't looked at it too closely, but the. Are they running the two fullback sort of um, defense at the back? So Orteri and Bodie, or have you noticed that? Uh, good question. No, I, I haven't actually paid attention to the way that the the teams are using the backfield defense. Oh. I'd say that they would because Orteri isn't the the strongest tackler. But I think like we saw on the weekend, Mitch Hunt was actually yeah. defending on the wing, and yeah. he ended up making quite a lot of brave tackles. So no, that. that it's a good point, though. I'll, I'll, I'll look for that on the weekend. Yeah, because sometimes, I mean, when you come back from that two two fullback defence uh, in the backfield, they it depends where the ball is, who can come into first receiver and things like that. So, mm-hmm. I, like, I, I'm I'm like you. I want to see Bowden Barrett get the ball at first receiver and just see, you know, almost if he's if he's still got that that you know that X factor. Yeah. And just I just want to see him have a crack. To be perfectly honest. Yeah. Well, which way do you think this weekend will go? What's your what's your pick? Well, I'm gonna put Hurricanes 12 and under. I think I think they'll get up. Um, but then, if Bodie goes to 10, I reckon Blues will get the win. So, you, so if Bowden Barrett starts at 10 or, or moves, yeah, Bowden Barrett starts at 10. I think they'll I think they'll win. I think I I I would expect a big game from Bodie this week, regardless if he's at 10 or fullback anyway. But um, I think he's he's too class. He's he, he's he's due a big game, and yeah. it, it is a big game at, at back at home at the Cape Town Forum. 
I'm going to pick the Blues again. You're going to pick the Blues? Yeah, I'm going to pick the Blues because I think that at the moment they look like a team who's ready to bounce back. Yeah. But who knows, maybe the fact that I've been not picking the Hurricanes <laughs> week in, week out has actually been doing them so good. Maybe there's some sort of like mystical sort of force that's working with Kobe with Kingy and the Hurricanes at the moment and the fact that I'm not picking them is actually <laughs> is what letting them win but in fairness yeah. if, I, if I think if I went down to the TAB and put 100 bucks on them um, to win having not picked them they'll, they'll probably turn around and get a hiding so yeah, yeah but I, I just I, I just think the Blues are a better team and I think that the media is probably overhyped one bad result and like you said I think regardless of I whether the Blues Bowden were good on the plays, weekend don't get me wrong I thought they were you know, they're a bit unlucky. That's the, that's the big crusader machine. Exactly, you know, exactly. You know, right. like, it's, that, that's, and by all means, the crusaders are well and truly favourites to win the comp again. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. But you can't knock them. They just, they do it right. They do it well. And, yeah, until someone comes up, comes up with a, uh, something to beat them, they're going to they're gonna continue, aren't they? Yeah, well, hopefully it starts with them letting Will Jordan go somewhere else because... You can't have that guy on the bench. But anyway, yeah. Sunday's game, Chiefs versus the Highlanders. Uh, the Chiefs coming fresh off their bye. They'll look to be, I guess, in a, in a different mind frame. Is mind frame the right word? Probably not the right word. But they'll, they'll, they'll look for a win this weekend because they are also a team that's due one. And they similar to the Hurricanes pre their bye, and what I mean by that, so before the Hurricanes went into their bye week and then came out of it and beat the, the Chiefs and the Highlanders, they had sort of failed to convert their their opportunities that they had in attacking areas into points. And, yep, the, the conditions weren't all that favourable for them because I think that their back line has the potential to put a lot of points on the board. But at, at, at the same time, man, you, you have to play to the conditions and um, their opposition did and ended up walking away with the win. So in saying that, though, what would you like to see out of the, the Chiefs as a whole to convert those half breaks into seven-pointers rather than zilch or just threes? Yeah, I, I, I suppose for me, I, I, haven't, I haven't watched too much of the Chiefs games, but what I have seen, I, I just think they're a little a little bit weak up front in their tight five. I think it sort of starts starts from there, their set, um, set piece, but... um. Yeah, I don't know that. What the four and zero or zero and four? Yep. They're in a bit of a rut. I think they're going to struggle this week, to be honest. Uh, I mean, they got great playmakers and uh, Brad Weber, who I think's a bloody awesome nine, and Cruden, who's still got it clearly. Um, but they're just not sort of converting it. Who, who's in their midfield? Uh, well, Antoine Brown missed the game against the Hurricanes, and I thought that he was a big loss. Yeah, he's a huge loss for them. Yeah, yeah they time. moved Quintu Pyro in one who. I've been impressed with this year, uh, and they, I think they paid some more money at centre, and then they had McKenzie at fullback, and, and then Sean Wainui and Alamalo. I don't think Sean Stevenson didn't play against the Hurricanes, but he had been playing in previous weeks. I'm not sure if they they took him out of the starting lineup as part of their rotation plan or yeah. whether or not he was carrying a niggle. But I think they got it there. I mean, you've always got something when you got. Weber and Cruden inside Jan McKenzie at the back, so you know, who knows? They could come out and, and, and really this could be their their time to actually you know have a, have a good crack at the Highlanders and, and score some good points in the backs. I'm not sure. 
but well they do right like if you like all the names you just rattled off and I, I've it's rattled them off in previous weeks on paper they are they are a star started backline but as you mentioned they are a bit undermanned in their type five and I mean it's sort of the old mantra that you know in order to go wide you've got to you've got to earn it up front yeah and I think the fact that teams know that that's a, a weakness they they're almost sort of preempting the the Chiefs going wide and, and looking to sort of force mm. them to go through the middle and, and the work's just not being done up front. But yeah, at I the wonder... same time, like, there, there's still been opportunities when the, the Chiefs have been in the 22 and again, that might be, that might come down to the fact that they are inexperienced in the forwards. They just aren't anywhere near as patient as some of the other teams. Mm. Like we've seen in the Highlanders in recent weeks and a lot of that's to do with Aaron Smith and, and his past, but you look at guys like Shannon Frizzell, Dylan Hunt, uh, Marina McCauley too, and they, they're just not looking to force things. Ash Dixon's been another big one for the Highlanders as of late. He's taken over the starting role after sort of being demoted to, to a bench role. Yeah, they, were, and, they, took, they took Coltman out, did they? Mm, mm, and in their game against the Blues, oh, when they were yeah. down by a dozen points, they just they were Sorry, very... <laughs> but, but yeah, they worked their way back into the game, and they just didn't look to force anything. But yeah, the, the Chiefs just have blown opportunities just through handling errors or maybe going one too many pick and goes or one too many one off runners off rucks. So yeah, yeah, I think I think this weekend is is the the time fresh off a bye where they've had two weeks to game plan, uh, where we should see a, a different Chiefs outfit. But in saying that though, the the Highlanders themselves have, have shown a lot of resilience uh, in their games and an ability to, to keep themselves in the fight when they might have put themselves behind the eight ball with um, a pretty slow first half like we saw uh, in the weekend just gone. But the the Highlanders pack have gone toe-to-toe with uh, not so much the Hurricanes last weekend, but before that, the Blues and the Crusaders, which, again, are arguably the, the two best packs in the competition. And we've just mentioned, or Peter mentioned to an undermanned Chiefs type five. So, do you think that that will be an, an area that the Highlands will target uh, this weekend? They have to. They have to big time. I think, yeah, the the Chiefs are in a a bit of a hole. But again, like you mentioned, the buy the buy. I've never thought buy weeks have done a hell of a lot uh, in professional sport. You know, I've never looked too deep into them. But I, I, just recently, seeing the the Canes, how they came came back because before the buy they they were a bit shaky. Um, and I, I don't know whether that's because Geordie Barrett came back or, or what it was. So um, if, I, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm hoping that that buyer has played a part and they are ready to go again. And, um, and yeah, if I'm if I'm if, but if I'm the Highlanders, I'll be I'll be taking them up up front in their tight five. It'll be interesting because the Highlanders' line out went to crap against yeah. the Hurricanes, and a lot of that could be put down to the loss of Josh Dixon. In the previous fixture, he broke his leg against the Crusaders, so that took away one of their line-out jumpers. So I think it'll be nice to see this weekend, um, and Adam Pater mentioned to it in our recap, seeing Putty Putty Parkinson maybe take that next step up because he's yet to sort of impose himself in a big fixture and just take command of that the engine room, you know, alongside Ash Dixon. Who who are their other locks that they would they would bring in? Well, they brought in, I think it was... Jack Wetton. Wetton, yeah. Yeah, and they've got a, a young guy, Manaki Selby Rickett, and they also carry Jesse Padete, who's probably more so a six than a lock, but I think he, he provides a bit of cover there, or he's a utility that they carry on their bench. 
Well, I mean, Ben Nicholas is um, fairly tall boy. I know he's a jumper, but mm. obviously you want your out-and-out locks, don't you? Yeah, you don't really want to throw a makeshift yeah. in there. But it, it just makes me think, by the way, like when you, when we talk about the, the Chiefs' type five, just mm. how big a difference someone like Brady Retallick would bring. Oh, big time. I mean, we, we've talked about the influence that Geordie Barrett's had, that Bowden Barrett's had. And I think that if you just get that, you know, that, that grunter, and I know I know he is a, a brilliant, brilliant footballer, but it, it's funny how big a difference one guy could make. Yeah, I think and he has the same effect as um, Bodie or um, uh, Geordie and, and I suppose who's Moanga for the for the Crusaders. He, yeah. They're key, they're massive. It's not it's not sometimes what they do on the field, it's that it's what they bring, you know, um, just their presence, you know. Mm, mm, totally. Um, Totally. And, and I mentioned it before, both backlines uh, haven't stood up on attack like their fans would have liked to have seen of them. I mean, we've just talked about the, the Chiefs' shortcomings, but the Highlanders themselves, they sort of similar to the Hurricanes. They don't really have a lot of X factor outside of Aaron Smith. No. Like, I, I like the look of Mitch Hunt's running game last weekend. I thought that he looked to take the, the line on a, a bit more. and He paid for it, though, didn't he? <laughs> no, nah, but in fairness to me, he got straight back up. I know he got he got, he, he, he got walloped by a yeah. suffer on one of those runs, and <laughs> had it not been for um, a referee's call, he would have been the playmaker or the, or the assist man in, in the game's first try, the one that got disallowed for Aaron Smith. But you reckon, was that a try or was it not a try? I thought it was a try. I thought it was a pretty soft call. I don't I don't think Duplessis was going to get there, or yeah. I think it might have been a tree branch, if anything. <laughs> but again, weather permitting, hopefully. Hamilton turns it on and <laughs> lets both teams play with a bit of width. But do you think this is the weekend that we see that both teams click? Well, we need a we need a bit more from um, from Cruden and and Weber, I think. Um, I think I think the Highlanders, regardless of you know of the loss last week, I, I think they're gonna they come gonna come out alone. I think they're gonna be the one that comes out on top. On um, on Saturday or Sunday, whenever they play, um, you know, I, yeah, I, I just, I just think Chiefs are a bit uh, soft up front, and I think that's going to impact the, you know, the front football that they, they, that they might normally get if they had stronger, stronger four pack. But um, mm-hmm. I'm Is picking the Highlanders, bro. Fair call. I, I'm, I'm going to pick the Highlanders as well. But I mean, I, I mentioned it before. Like, I think that the I think that the, the foundation is there for the, the Highlanders going forward. I think they've got a, a nice young lock or locks in, in Josh Dixon and Putty Putty Parkinson. Mm. They might need to look for a new hooker because both Ash Dixon and, and Liam Coltman are a bit long in the tooth, but their loose forward trio of Shannon Frizzell, who's yep. uh, a, a physical player, and Marino McCulley too, who I really like the look of. Yep, he's another he's physical player. And Dylan mm. Hunt sort of come into his own. He sort of went by the wayside after being picked for the All Blacks a couple of years ago and was sort of demoted to the bench uh, for the likes of, you know, Elliot Dixon, uh, James Lynchies, who was the captain, you know. So if James Lynchies hadn't had that horrible lead break at the at the start of the year, who who would have known what would have happened with, with Dylan Hunt this year? But mm. he's probably been one of the, the better guys to get the interpretations of the breakdown right. I know in the first game that they played against the Chiefs, the Highlanders, which they won, he was arguably the man of the match outside of maybe Makali Tu'u and, and Aaron Smith. I thought he did a really good 
job and packing his opportunities to uh, attack the breakdown, and he slowed a lot of the the Chiefs' ball down without getting pinged for it. Yeah, that, that'll be a good battle in the in the loose trios because Chiefs got it. They got no slouches there as well. I, no. I'm a big fan of that Boucher, but he, you're right. He has kind of took the foot off the pedal a little bit, or maybe the the new rules don't really help him too much. And uh, who's the other one? Sam Kane, of course, obviously, All Black captain. And the number eight, I forget his name. Peter Gus Sawakula. Sawakula, yeah, he's, he's he's pretty handy as well. Yeah, I like him as well, bro. He, he, I like the way he There's a lot of eights eight. around, isn't there? Yeah, no, there are a lot of classy eights. I'm not sure if he's eligible for New Zealand. I might be wrong. Is he, is he Tongan? No, he's Fijian, bro. Fijian? Yeah, so whether or not he's already part of the Fijian setup, I'm unsure. But he, he's, he's another player who, when he when he turns up on the day and, and laces his boots properly, he can be a handful, but... I don't know. I think that the, like I mentioned before, I think that the the building blocks are there for the Highlanders forwards, and they've got Aaron Smith who signed on for another couple of years, and Mitch Hunt or Josh Iwani, whoever they go with there, and whoever they choose to put at fullback. I just think that there's they're lacking a little bit of punch in the backs. Mm. Now Rob Thompson and Taylorangi Walden and uh, who's the other midfielder? Sierra Tomkinson. They're all good and they're pretty stout defensively, but they don't offer a lot on attack. No. And I like the look of John Arariki. He's he's not a big yeah, fella, like but he like he's he's got a bit of go on him. And you know, you give him half a chance, and he can slip out of a tackle. Now he had that unfortunate incident a couple of weekends ago where he didn't put the ball through the hands in what could have been a game-changing play. But hey, that's footy. Uh, and then on the other wing, they had Scott Gregory, who had a lot better performance than than what he delivered in Auckland a couple of weekends ago. But that right wing position is. I think a bit of a vacancy for them, and whether or not Villamoni Karoi fills that spot, or Connor Garden Bearship, or who's the other one, Nehemil Muscata, whenever we see him Is back on the park. Ready? I'm not too sure. There, there were inklings that he w- was going to be ready a couple of weekends ago, but uh, whether or not he's fronted up in Dunedin playing club football, that, that could be a question I throw to my mate Nick Higgity to get an answer for me but yeah he's a, another contender to hold down that right flank but yeah I'm, I'm same as you bro I think that the the Highlanders are going to win on the weekend I think that if they take it to them up front and they can shore up their line out it could be a long day for those Chiefs forwards but in saying that bro like when you've got the likes of Anton Leonard Brown Brad Weber Aaron Crude and Damian McKenzie is, a- you... is Anton Leonard Brown playing? I think I'm not too sure because he he had yeah, the head knock, so he really late, don't they? Well, no, because they well we do record this on a Wednesday, which doesn't help. But he had a head knock. Now I'm not sure if cool. that first week, and then he's just had the bye week, and whether or not like this third week counts as sort of that, that that three week, and so come Sunday, whether or not he's eligible for that. Um, obviously we have to wait and see which which way the the lineup goes, but. Again, Crude and Weber and McKenzie, they're all guys who are who are capable of making something out of nothing or putting someone else in a hole. So if you give them if, half a sniff and they get their if, tails out. Yeah, I, I think the, the... I'm back in the Highlanders, but I think if the, Chief, if the Chiefs click, they could they could do a number on them. I think they could they could put some points on. Mm. But, you know, you've got to have some good conditions and you got to... You know, that they have to click and they, they seem like they're in a bit of a rut at the moment. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a... But this could be an opportunity. I wouldn't say the Highlanders pack is really strong. So, you know, they might find themselves in a bit of a stalemate and then it might let the backs have a bit of a, a better crack at each other. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that the, the Highlanders, if we're sort of putting this in layman's terms, probably have a little bit more structure. 
but they don't have the game-breaking ability of some of the Chiefs. Well, you know, when we mentioned the likes of a, a Mackenzie Uber, so it's hopefully it makes for an interesting contrast, uh, contrast contest <laughs> on Sunday afternoon, bro. But we'll, we'll leave that there, man. So you've gone with the Canes and the Highlanders yep. to win. I've gone with the Blues and the Highlanders to win. So we'll have to recoup on Sunday or Monday, depending on what's um, preferable for you to break it all down and see which way our picks fell, bro. But uh, for the time being, my man, thank you very much for putting aside some time to talk to me this afternoon and I look forward to catching up with you on Sunday, Monday. Yep. Cheers, bro. Appreciate it. It was awesome. Take care. Cheers, bro.